Welcome to Make Pods Great Again. I'm your host, John Woolley, content creator for the Instagram page, Make Wads Great Again. Welcome back to the show. Very excited tonight. Um, got a, um, a guest with us, a 2018 Games Athlete, uh, Master Nutritionist, if that's actually a word. I don't know if it is, but I'm going to go with it. Uh, multiple time uh, regionals athlete, rest in peace regionals, and uh, all around great person, Meredith Root. Meredith, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I am really good. Thanks for being on. Yeah. I, I, uh, I'm not sure I've ever told anybody how we met. Do you remember how we met? Well, I kind of remember, I was thinking back because I figured this would come up. It was, uh, I think, Granite Games in 20, let's see, 2018. Yes. Um, yeah, that was like the first interaction we had. It was like this great mystery. Like, who is this guy uh, that was back? Uh, actually, I think Early on, it was when it was still uh, CrossFit Trump. Is that what your original <laughs> handle yeah. was? <laughs> I, yeah, I think it was. It was probably still was. I think I had less than ten thousand followers then, and and it all yeah. like kind of kicked in because I pissed off Kenzie Riley. Yeah, exactly, and that's kind of where it all began. And I, it was more like our introduction was more like, "Who the hell is this person behind this page?" And then I think it was my friend Jackie who actually kind of like puzzled out who you were. He kept like dropping hints and she figured it out. And it was like this great uh, discovery. So that was, yeah, that was 2018. We've never actually met in person. I know. We like, need to. I'm the one. <laughs> well, you know, it was really funny. Um, you know, that was a kind of a weird time for me. I was just learning how to run the meme page and learning how to like, kind of connect with people. And I'd done a post. It was uh, you, Kenzie, and um, Paige were competing together at the Granite Games. And one of you had posted an awesome picture. And so I clipped it and put a caption. I don't even remember the caption, but I tagged mm -hmm. you and I tagged Paige and I didn't tag Kinsey. And within minutes, <laughs> you messaged me and go and said, all right, Kinsey's really salty. You need to go back and tag her. And then yeah. messaged me and she's like, what the hell? Can't even give me credit. And, yeah. and it was like, it was just on all weekend. It was really funny. Yeah, uh, that's exactly how it started. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, it's honestly one of my favorite memories of the page. Like, and, and, and truthfully, like it really taught me how easy it is, uh, not only to meet people, but that I have to be really careful to tag them because people take that really, yeah. they take it really personally. You know? Yeah. It's like easy to meet people and also easy to piss them off with uh little like internet, Instagram etiquette things. Well, to be that's fair, good. it's, it's easy to piss off Kinsey either way. So mm -hmm. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I, I have met Kenzie. I met her. I got a chance to meet her at the games and get my picture with her. And, and, uh, looks like she's doing great baby on the way. So yeah, she's great. She's doing well. That's great stuff. Well, let's talk about you. So that's, that's why you're here. So, uh, man, so you're big time. So games athlete, you were on the, uh, last year you were on the demo team, which was very cool. I, I um, yes. Yeah. Got to spend some time with Dave. That's a, how was that? Uh, demo team's awesome. It's, uh, especially this year, like I was kind of joking. It's not, it's like, it's kind of funny. Are you drinking a white claw? No, I'm drinking a fit eight zero. Oh, okay. But I, but I am absolutely basic enough to be drinking a white claw. So I, I, I appreciate like, your faith in me. <laughs> Please tell me that's a white claw. Yeah. No. Um, so yeah, demo was really cool this year. Cause we, unlike a lot of the athletes got to do all of the workouts, which was kind of my like running joke for the weekend that a lot of the people getting cut didn't think was quite so funny. Um, <laughs> but it's cool. Like in general, it's cool to see what goes into designing workouts and actually like be a part of that process. So we went, uh, to aromas 
in, we went to the ranch in like in July to actually help Dave with some of the early on development. So a lot of those workouts we did, um, at the ranch, like the, the snatch, the first event, the, the first cut, we did that workout at the ranch with a, like a heavier snatch weight. I think it was originally like 225 for the boys, 155 for ladies, which would have been pretty brutal. And then a, like a half rope, not a legless, like a half rope climb. And they literally like Dave drug out a piece of turf and was like, well, make sure you can snap on the turf. So, um, it was pretty cool. And just getting behind the scenes and the guys were awesome. Like Paul, uh, is the captain demo. He's always on the demo team. James is great. Christian's great. So it was a really, really fun time. Really, uh, exhausting, but really fun. And then what's, uh, what's on deck for you this year? You're going, trying to qualify for the games again. We'll see. I'm trying to compete a little bit. Um, so we do Wadapalooza on a team, I think, and then maybe a handful of individual sanctionals. Like we, I get an invite to West Coast Classic because they're inviting, uh, like previous podium, like West region podium finishers. And like technically I'm a podium finisher, even though like actually at regionals I was sixth, but you know how that happened. Um, so yeah, that was actually, that was the one I was going to do the open to try to qualify for. Um, and then found that out. So that's nice that it, there was no pressure there. And I think we'll probably try to do granite games, maybe the one in Mexico at the end of the season, but I'm not going to like break my back to try to qualify for the games. Cause I just don't, uh, don't have the, the time or the money. And I'm just, I don't want to chase it around. If it happens. That's cool. Uh, if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to be super bummed out. You know, you just brought something up that I've got to ask you this question. So, um, I was talking today, uh, earlier, with my co-host Nikki and we were talking about all these masters athletes that got popped for most of them for testosterone. Cause they're my yeah. age or older. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, but a couple of them were on the podium. One was first. I think the other one was maybe third. And so, you know, they took podium spots from people. So as someone who mm-hmm. should have been on the podium, but wasn't because somebody else got popped, like, do you, do you harbor any resentment for that? Or even at the time, was it, were you just excited to get into the games or did it, was you feel like you missed something? Uh, it was such a weird time. The way that all happened, like, it's also weird because I know Emily, like, she's from Calgary and, like, there's a relationship there. So it's complicated. Um, but at the time, like, I found out super early in, like, kind of like in the middle of June that it was a possibility. And I had heard through the rumor mill, like, who it was, even though HQ wasn't releasing any information. Like, I, I knew. Um, so basically, like, I knew there was the potential that I would get backfilled and that I would go to the games, but they also said, like, this is not public information. The appeals process has to go through, and it might not, we might not have enough time for you to even go. So it was like, so we want you to train for the games, but also don't get your hopes up. It was this, like, super weird emotion. Um, to be honest, like, I'm not super, like, salty about the podium thing. I think... um it's one of those, like it happened, um, like shit happens. It's not the end of the world. There are tons of people that finish six and don't get an opportunity to go to the game. So I don't really feel like I missed out on, uh, um, like didn't back then anyways, feel like I missed out on a moment. Cause I was also kind of under the impression that it, like the, the opportunity would present itself again. Like we would remain in the regionals format. Maybe in 2019, I would go back and podium at the West region and I could get to experience that like no big deal. And then they changed it. So I think I felt a little bit more sad about it after the changes and kind of in the middle of the year. But, um, again, like 
it is what it is. Like it was still a really good opportunity to go to the games. So I like that's the experience that I am most proud of. And like, you know, not being in a podium picture in the 2018 West Regional was just a like a technicality. And everybody knows like the person on the top of the podium wasn't supposed to be there. Um, so like, yeah, it's that's kind of fine with me, really. I'm not a resentful person. I don't harbor any ill will towards Emily or anything like that. It just is this thing that happened for both of us, really. Is it weird as being an athlete as you have build relationships with people and then some of them end up failing the test? Like I have relationships with some of the athletes and some have failed the test in the last year. And like I, yeah. there's, you know, like there's the friend in me that's like, I love this person and there's no chance I'm going to, you know, feel bad or, or hurtful toward them. But then there's the other part of me that loves the sport that feels a little annoying. <laughs> like as an athlete, how do you handle that? I think like regardless of who it is, every time somebody gets popped, I'm like, I'm a little sad for the sport because I think there are people out there who, who believe that if you're at the games then like period, you're, you're taking some sort of performance enhancing drug. And it makes me sad because like whenever there's a positive test, it validates those people's feelings. And it's like, Oh yeah. Like, look at this person. They like, see, I told you, um, when really, like, I don't think that's the case. I don't really think there's a, a drug problem. Like, uh, that's rampant in the sport. Um, there's of course people that are going to do PEDs and you just like kind of hope that those people get weeded out. Uh, when it happens to a friend or like somebody I know, I kind of think of it like, um, I'm sad for that person because they were obviously put in a situation where they felt like it was necessary. And it's like, you know, how a person ends up in that place. I don't, I don't know, but it's like, it's sad as an athlete when you get there. So, um, you know, but it doesn't make it, it's not a justifiable action in in my opinion. So it's tricky. I think, um, I don't know if it was Tommy Marquez or like somebody was talking about it and it's how I've always felt. Like I kind of consider each CrossFit games athlete or each athlete as like, you have two identities. You have like the human being and the person and maybe my friend and that, um, you know, kind of that identity exists outside of the athlete. Um, and it kind of operates like you have a bank account for both. And as soon as you take a PED, like your bank account as an athlete goes to zero. Like I lose respect for you as an athlete, but I don't necessarily lose respect for you as a person. I just more, I'm like, I'm more concerned with like how you got to that decision. Um, you know, what drove you to make that decision? And then like, hopefully it's a learnable experience for that athlete and other athletes who are, you know, considering maybe doing something similar. So yeah, it's tricky. There's, there's emotions involved for sure as an athlete, but I don't know. I just, I try to not try to give people the benefit of the doubt whenever I can. And that's the right thing to do, but you know, it makes me sad for the sport more than anything. You know, I love your point about, um, you know, how it gives validation to kind of the trolls, you know, every time it happens, I see it too, where, you know, people come in, Oh, of course they're all doing PEDs. And, <laughs> you know, I've been around, you know, I've been in CrossFit for nine years now. I've had six or seven coaches and of those six or seven, um, at least five of them have been to the games at this point, have been actual games athletes and a couple of them on the podium. And I see, I've seen what they've had to do nutritionally to get where they are. So mm-hmm. I know it's absolutely possible to, you know, not only do you have to have some good genetics, I think that's part of it. And they all had great genetics, but, but they, you know, were very, very meticulous about nutrition and you're a nutritionist. So I guess that's kind mm-hmm. of the question is like, you know, how do you, how do you, keep up nutritionally to, to fuel yourself for the rigors of training and competing? Uh, yeah, I think if you, 
ask anybody who, oh, hold on, I got to decline my sister. <laughs> she calls me like eight times a day. Okay, here we go. Still there? Yeah. I'm still here. Cool. Hey, Megan. Um, yeah, if you ask any games athlete about nutrition, they're probably universally going to tell you like, oh, I eat a lot. And that's kind of like at a high level, it just requires a lot of eating. Um, I think if you go, like, it's kind of important to go back and look at the CrossFit Games history and kind of it parallels CrossFit, right? So back in 2012, 2013, that was when paleo was really big. Um, and it still is something that is like talked about at L1 seminars and is like a pretty healthy way to eat for general population. But like as an athlete, I think people started recognizing there was a better way to eat around like 2014, 2015. Um, and that way to eat is like a higher carbohydrate diet, um, with just like more attention to like specific quantities of food versus just like general quality of food. So, um, that shift occurred in around 2015, like, and like, as far as how much games athletes are eating, it's like all across the board. I think I heard one time that like Travis Mayer eats like maybe 800 grams of carb carbs a day, which is just, it's insane. Um, but I think, yeah, you kind of just have to keep up with training. When you look at training there, the only way to adapt from training is to recover from training. And like the two big pieces you have are, are fuel. So nutrition and sleep. Um, so I think if you ask games athletes, like what's the most important thing that you do that keeps you going every day, it's eat and sleep. Like that's it. Well, it's kind of the two things that keep me going for whatever that's worth. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I, I absolutely agree with the sleep piece. I would say, you know, you said eight hundred carbs, eight hundred grams of carbs a day. I think Glassman literally shit himself when he heard that, uh, or, mm, yeah. or when he hears that. How do you reconcile that? I mean, uh, you know, one thing that's interesting to me is, you know, this, and I, I agree with you that, as, particularly if you're training hard, like I take in more carbs in my personal diet, mm-hmm. particularly as I'm training harder, in order to fuel those, and and physically I feel better when I do that. Yeah. Um, you know, when I talked to Greg, you know, back in April, he, he literally said to me, we've learned nothing from the games athletes. And then yeah. this, you know, long speech about, you know, keto and, or, you know, this keto-esque, you know, carb restricting diet that, that he's encouraging to reduce chronic disease. And obviously there's a lot of science about that. Like, how do you, how do you resolve these two, you know, being someone who loves CrossFit and CrossFits <laughs> and you know, yeah. feel differently about the nutrition piece? I definitely think that the, like what games athletes are doing shouldn't be a model for what like general population people are doing, but I also don't really think that like keto is necessarily the answer either, either like super low carb paleo type, um, diets, like the answer is somewhere in the middle. So like I started thinking a while ago, why does CrossFit still drill the paleo diet in level one seminars? Like there's obviously something to that and there is. Uh, like a fair amount of science with paleo diet uh, and with ketogenic diet as far as like reducing inflammatory markers. And when you think about the message that CrossFit is trying to deliver at the moment and really like for actually for the entirety of its existence, it's been a message that they want the general population to grab a hold of. Like Greg's, Greg's um, main objective is, is fixing chronic health through uh, nutrition and exercise. So what the paleo diet does is it's kind of the low hanging fruit as far as like, you know, what recommendations can I make as a, as a trainer to a general population human being who's probably deconditioned, probably overweight, probably has terrible health markers. If I just tell them to eat a paleo diet, um, that person is going to eliminate processed foods. They're going to eliminate like highly processed carbohydrates, low quality fats, fast food, junk food. They're going to eliminate 
all of these, these things that are probably a part of their diet, alcohol, um, just things like that. And their health markers are going to improve. They're going to lose weight. Um, they are going to become less infl- inflamed, like maybe pre-diabetes markers go down. Like all these positive things happen because you're like not necessarily the specifics of the paleo diet. You're just eliminating foods that were causing issues. So it allows CrossFit to make a nutritional recommendation across the board because they have to do that. Um, because you have to, you can ask somebody that, that busts their ass in the gym, but they, if they eat like a garbage disposal when they get home, like it's just not going to do anything. So it allows CrossFit to make a recommendation to the general population that will kind of clear up the majority of issues. So like, that's why I think like paleo and keto and low carb are still popular with Greg and with the L1 staff and the message that they're like CrossFit health is trying to put out. The trick is when you have someone who's been adhering to that, who makes a lot of progress and says, okay, now I want to develop as an athlete. When someone wants to develop as an athlete, the approach needs to shift just a little bit, maybe not to 800 grams of carbs a day, but it needs to shift to um, a slightly higher carbohydrate intake. The carbs can still be really high quality. doesn't mean that someone needs to be eating like frosted flakes uh, or candy, but we can shift to maybe, you know, some white rice, some oatmeal, just a higher percentage of carbs during the day. And that's going to benefit that person from a performance standpoint. Um, so like, that's kind of like the, the true answer for, I think for most people who are doing CrossFit and have been doing CrossFit for some time lies like in between like what games athletes are doing and like strict paleo. That's my opinion. Yeah, it's interesting. My parents have gone uh, really, really close to paleo, probably closer to keto than paleo. Mm-hmm. And everything you described has happened. They've lost weight. Their markers are better. You know, like, you know, all the blood work's coming back better than it was. My dad actually started CrossFit. Um, yeah, mom, I saw that. It's crazy. Um, my, uh, my mom's doing kind of CrossFit at home, you know, like she's not going to the gym, yeah. but she's doing it at home, you know, kind of their at home videos. So everything you described is, is really interesting for someone in, like this, you know, not doing what you're doing or even doing what I'm doing, would you prescribe that they stick to that paleo-esque or would at, at any point, would you want them to start taking in more carbs? Um, so I, li- I like the paleo diet. You can actually have a, a relatively high carbohydrate intake on paleo. Um, I really like, there's a protocol called the AIP, which is autoimmune paleo protocol. It's like, how can I make pa- like paleo super extreme? But sometimes when I have people that come as clients and they're just, they're kind of, they're having maybe digestive issues or like, like skin issues, I'll have them do the AIP diet for like two or three weeks. And usually it clears up, but it's like super strict. It's not something you'd want to do forever. Um, but I like, like, I like the quality of the paleo diet. I like that, uh, you know, you're eliminating kind of like crap food. I think there's this, this thing that's happening with macro tracking right now. Like it's kind of like the way to eat. Everybody's tracking macros. Like, you know, back in 2014, it used to be when you'd run into a CrossFitter, you'd be like, Oh, what's your Fran time? And now you run into a CrossFitter. It's like, Oh, what are your macros? Like, that's the new question. Um, but like, there's this thing that's happening where like people are just eating sort of junk food and they're like, well, it fits my macros. If it fits my macros, I can have it. Um, and I don't like, I don't, I don't really like that personally. I don't think that's like a, uh, I always like try to eat for longevity and I tell people to eat for longevity. So, um, I kind of still prefer a more high quality diet and the paleo diet is a high quality diet. And then, you know, maybe have some treats here and there, but don't like if junk food is taking up, 
uh, a considerable percentage of your macros and your calories for the day, like you're probably missing out on the benefits of like vitamins and minerals and micronutrients and like in timing around your workouts. Like these things are super important. Uh, maybe not as important as calories and like the macro ratio, but they're still important. And so I think people are kind of missing the boat there right now with the whole, with the macro thing. And um, so I, I like, I like for a general population person, be like, Hey, just look at the paleo diet, see if you like it. And then we'll just kind of add some things back in as we go along. But it's actually a like pretty good place to start just to get people to check themselves on food quality. So you're in Canada is our uh, Timbits paleo. Timbits. <laughs> yeah, I think they do have paleo Timbit. It probably weighs like twice as much as a normal Timbit. It's full people, of almond butter. People outside of uh, of the U.S. or, or uh, outside of Canada, are, what the hell is a Timbit? It's a donut hole for those of you in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, from, it's really good I, though. <laughs> yeah, from what I hear, they're amazing. I've not had yeah, them. The birthday cake flavor is for sure the best Timbit. You're going to get one. <laughs> so... Is this all really interesting to me? Like, so I was watching the other night. We talked, well, we've been kind of DMing about this, but I watched uh, Game Changer on uh, Netflix the other night. And so I, like, I'm kind of close to paleo or like real close to paleo. I'm certainly not keto. Mm-hmm. And so I watched this and like, I've kind of getting into it. And like any other documentary I watch, you know, they're, they're giving their science. And in this case, they're saying you should be a vegetarian and <laughs> it's all making sense. And then about halfway through, I'm like, Holy crap! This is propaganda. Like I almost immediately felt <laughs> like it just came to me. Now, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess kind of my question here is like, as I'm watching them, I'm, I'm thinking I can buy into the fact that eating more vegetables is good for you, but I can't buy into the fact that getting all your protein from vegetables is the way to go. Like, what's what's the real science behind this? Yeah. So the the thing about like a Netflix documentary, like a documentary called "You Should Eat More." plants but you can still have some meat but probably eat high quality meat like that just doesn't sell right so um you know the some of the science that they quote as far as like protein goes um they're saying that you can get um you know the same amount of protein from plants we actually like we have data and so actually they quote a study in there that shows that like you're still getting less like people that eat vegan or plant-based which is the same as vegan um are still getting less protein than a, a, a meat eater, for lack of a better word. An omnivore, I think that's what we are. So we're getting less protein. Protein from plants tends to be lower quality. And by lower quality, I mean, like, it's not, like, you can score protein on a, a scale. To oversimplify it, it's like a zero to 100 scale. So, like, egg whites score 100. Um, I think beef is like a 96. Chicken's a 94. Like, but meat and animal products tend to be quite high. Um, and they're also like very easily digestible. So plants tend to score a little bit lower. So, um, I think beans, there's some varieties of beans that score around like maybe 60, maybe 70. Um, and also are not like, they're not as bioavailable. So your body doesn't absorb them quite as readily as it does in like an animal protein. So that's like, you know, that's kind of the science there. The the caveat would be soy, soy scores a hundred, but I guess soy has kind of its own set of issues. Um, so yeah, the getting your, your protein from plants, like not, not only is it really, really hard to do, like I would challenge anyone to eat, to say, okay, I eat this amount of protein per day. Like just try to get that from plants one day and see how it feels. Like your, your fiber is probably going to be like 70 or 80 grams, which basically means that 
you're going to live in the bathroom that day. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's like, it's a real challenge for sure to get that much protein from plants. What were your thoughts on the documentary? I'll tell you exactly where I signed out. When I, mm-hmm. when I realized it was propaganda was when they got to a portion and they said, all right, here's how it's going to impact your sex life. <laughs> if you go vegan or vegetarian, you're going to have bigger erections and have a boner all the time. And I'm like, that's how you sell it on men. That's when yeah. I like right then I'm like, they're trying to sell to men to get men to go, okay, honey, I'll do this. And like, you could look at anything, you know, especially in the States when they're trying to get men to do something, that's it. They appeal to yeah. sexual wellness. What, yes. what, what were your real thoughts on just kind of the overall uh, documentary? Um, it's very like on a surface level, it's extremely compelling. Like they, they really do a good job, like preying on kind of emotion. They create a lot of fear, which is usually kind of how, how documentaries sell things. Um, the athletes are super compelling, like using athletes, like cause athletes are kind of models of health, right? They're like, models of physical capacity and it's like well if this person who is this great athlete is vegan now and they're doing so much better then like vegan must be the way so like if you don't know exactly what you're looking at it's um yeah it's super compelling and i know people that were very very convinced by it um my sister was like ready to go vegan. Like I told her to watch it and I was like, just watch it. Tell me what you think. She's like, Oh, I think I'm going to like do this. And I was like, yeah. And she's educated. She's like, she knows she's been doing CrossFit. She's educated, but like, it's just, it's very convincing on a surface level. What got me is like, just cause I deal with, with people and I, I like data when they started talking about the athletes, but didn't mention at all, like other than like, Oh, I was eating meat. A couple of football players were like, admitted to, to eating fried chicken a lot. And I'm like, of course, if you stop eating fried chicken and start eating plants, yeah, you're probably going to feel better. But there was no mention of like quantifiable data about what they were eating before, um, you know, data about what they were eating afterwards as far as like specific macronutrients, like show me some blood work before, show me some blood work after. Um, and they didn't do that. So like that was kind of the first, like eh, first red flag. And like, I actually really wanted this documentary to be good. Like, I felt like there was a, there was some potential. And then some of the claims that they were making, like, like I've just heard these arguments before and I already knew that they were out, like, they were, they were out of conduct, kind of out of context. Um, and then the first, like, when they started talking about the endothelial function, which is that blood test, right, where they do the vials and it's like, look how much clearer your blood is. Um, that was the one, like, that's the first time I started looking up these studies and I was like, oh, yeah, these stuff, like, that's not at all what these studies are saying. They flash all these journal articles across the screen to, to look convincing. And really all the journal articles are saying is, like, if you include, like, the key word is include these things in your diet, things like uh, like grape juice, uh, leafy green vegetables, um, a couple of other, like, blueberries, like, things that are high in antioxidants, if you include these items in your diet, we have this data that indicates that endothelial function improves it doesn't say anything about excluding meat or replacing meat that's not what these studies say it's just simply include plants and your health markers improve which is true but the documentary and the the filmmakers want you to believe that the plants have to be in the diet to the exclusion of meat and that's kind of like that was that was kind of the the nail in the coffin which happens pretty early in the film so um, I actually turned it off at that point because I was mad. 
and then I like, okay, I got to finish watching this stupid thing. So I, I finished watching it, but well, that yeah, part, for me, that, very hard to watch. <laughs> that part was very intriguing to me. And, you know, you, you hit it on the head when they were talking to the athletes and they had world-class athletes. They, you know, and they interviewed Conor McGregor and he was blaming his loss on eating two steaks prior to a, to a fight that he had. And yeah. I was sitting there thinking, you know, Conor McGregor is a notorious drinker, like yeah. notorious party animal, like, you know, they're, you know, they didn't, they didn't mention anything about how late he had been out the night before, how much he had, what else yeah. he had taken in that week. And my other complaint is when they start, um, you know, comparing animals, you know, let's, you know, let's look at the, you know, silverback gorilla and how muscular it is and <laughs> vegetables. I'm like, well, have you seen a cheetah? Like cheetahs are meat eaters. Yeah. They're the fastest exactly. animal on the planet. You know, it's like, you can't compare yep. animals. This is about humans. You know, it's just yeah, really bizarre to me. You had, uh, you had mentioned the other day, you know, after you read this and you've written some things, you actually got plagiarized around this topic. And then one thing that, I did. Yeah. How, how was that? Um, that one sung a little bit. Um, it was, so it was picked up by a guy and like, I know that he, he read it because, um, somewhat like a couple of people tagged him in the tactic post and I saw that happen. Um, and then actually like, so I follow the guy cause he's a pretty well-known, uh, nutritionist. He's got a PhD in, uh, nutritional sciences and he posted like game changers, the game changers re- review coming like two weeks or something. And I was like, huh, like, I wonder what this guy's going to put up. Um, that's different than mine. And then I like, I wasn't actively following him or like waiting for it. And then some people started sending me the, the link to his article last week. I think it was last week. Um, and they were like, Hey, you might want to take a look at this. Cause like, man, it looks familiar. <laughs> and like, sure enough, it, it used, um, like it followed the exact same format. He, um, used the same like section titles. He used the same like jokes that I made in a couple of portions. Like it was just kind of, uh, it was very clear that he, he read it. And so, um, yeah, so I put something up in my story and then people kind of, and like, again, I'm not really like one to call somebody out of my story, um, uh, which I've, done twice in the past little bit. I feel kind of bad, but, uh, this guy's got like, like 300 and some thousand followers. I've got eight, 18 or whatever. Like I just don't have a big following compared to him. And it, I was like, Hey, I have to do something here. So I just put a story up and people started commenting and then he DM DM me and was like, Hey, some people are commenting on my, uh, post that I, that, you know, I plagiarized your material or copyrighted. I can assure you it's all mine I like if none of it is copied from anybody like I don't know where they're getting this from and just sent me like a really long DM that I didn't respond to like I just let it sit there and she he could see that I'd read it for sure um and then he sends me another one and he's like clearly kind of having trouble putting two and two together it's not like I didn't I like I never posted about it on my personal page it's on tactic um the link to it is not on my personal page it's the tactic website and he just keeps going he's like well at least you could like send me the link. I can like share it, like, um, just kind of going on. And then he gets mad. He's like, if you're going to accuse me of plagiarizing, you can at least like send me the link to what I plagiarized. And I just responded back. I was like, um, if I'm sure if you do a little research, you can figure this out. That's all I said back. And then we had like dinner plans. So I just kind of left it and he sent me a bunch of other like angry DMS. But then this, the odd thing is he goes on his story and posts that, um, he did read my article, which is 
ironic because he told me that he hadn't seen it before earlier in the DMs, but that he did read it and he did copy my conflict of interest portion. And I was really sorry. And he was going to give me credit on his article, which I do have credit for that now, but I'm like, okay, so now you're backpedaling and you said you'd never seen my article before. Um, now you're saying you have seen it. You use my COIs, but that's it. Um, when it's clear, like when you read it, uh, the whole thing is mine. Uh, he added some portions to it because that would be, it'd be a lot easier to add like new material to something that you like don't have to write. So his argument was like, well, I cover things that she didn't cover. Therefore it's like clear that it's not plagiarized, but I kind of let it go. I got his original post removed from Instagram for copyright infringement. Um, and then he put it back up and he was like, Instagram is trying to take me down and just painted this narrative. Like, you know, it was his content and like some conspiracy thing. And, um, but anyways, I'm kind of just letting that be because it's would cost a lot of money to take it any further. And I think I made my point, at least to my people. Well, I think the one thing that I love about you is that you're fearless. I mean, you know, I see this a lot. I follow you and others should, but I see this a lot in your posts. Like if trolls mm. come in and they make, you know, comments about steroids or, you know, some homophobic comment or whatever, <laughs> like you don't take anything lying down, which I love as someone who has to deal with a lot of trolls. Like I absolutely love that. Have you, have you always had this fearless streak or is this like kind of a newer thing for you? Um, I don't know. It's new in that I have an audience, I guess. Uh, I've, I guess I've always had it. Like I just, uh, I don't take insult very lightly. Um, and so if you're going to do that, especially if you're going to come on my page and do it, um, like I'm just, I'm not going to sit down for it. That's for sure. I think there are a lot of people, uh, in this community, in the games community that have opinions that they're like afraid to put out there. And I don't know if it's like they're afraid to defend their opinion or like afraid to sound silly, but like I do a pretty good job defending my points. Usually like I'm not going to get into a fight that I feel like I, I don't like I'm not already on the winning side, but um, even with like last year with some of the stuff with HQ, uh, like we put up some sort of like semi-vocal, um, feedback for HQ with like the, uh, what's that guy's name? The guy who cheated really bad last year. Oh, uh, Shoot. Ricky, Devin, Ricky no, oh, Devin, Devin Ford. Ford. <laughs> yeah. I got in the so mix we, of that one. Yeah. We put some stuff up there and, uh, it seemed like we got a lot of feedback from other games athletes that were, that were like like supporting us, but seem like they wouldn't use their own platform to, to put something like that out there. Um, and I don't know, I'm like, maybe I step on toes. Maybe I don't, I don't like, I don't really care. It's, um, I don't really make money on Instagram. So I'm not like super concerned with, um, with doing that. I'm not like violating any contracts. Like maybe I'm impacting relationships that I don't know about, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Like I'm not afraid to use, my platform to take a stance on things that I think are important. So, um, and I'm glad, I think we, I think I get a lot of attention for that. I seem to have a pretty engaged, even though it's a smaller following, they're like a pretty engaged following, which I kind of dig. I'd rather have that than like hundreds of thousands of people that like follow me, but don't really give a shit. They just like want to see a booty pic or something. I don't know. That's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody follows me for booty pics either. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a little sad. I'm not going to lie, but uh, <laughs> no, I love it. Look, I, you know, I would encourage you to keep doing it. You know, I, as someone who fights a lot of trolls um, mm -hmm. and, or I feel like I see a lot, you know, I, I feel like people feel like the internet is a place that you can go and shout horrible things and there are no ramifications for those actions. 
<laughs> and that's just not true. Like, you know, they, they forget that there are real people on the other end of those photos or the other end of those posts. And so they'll go in and say horrible things and, and just forget they're talking to a real person. And, and so I love the fact that you give it back to people and it, at a minimum, make them think twice before they do it again. So please don't. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, so just a couple other things before we wrap up, you know, and so obviously like you're really passionate about, um, about CrossFit and the CrossFit community. Um, what do you, what do you love? Like when you think of all the things that you do within CrossFit and the community, like what's, what's your biggest love here? Um, that's such a good question. Like I just, I kind of, like I love CrossFit, the sport, definitely like CrossFit games are great. Um, I love watching that evolve and I think that it's going to continue to evolve and change and like, uh, be really awesome. Like maybe sanctionals ends up being bigger than the games. And I just like, I'm super interested in the competitive part, but I think I'm more interested in like people's personal, like, like people who are, who are just starting or like very beginner with CrossFit, like the impact that it has on their lives, um, is awesome. Like I, I remember when I first started CrossFit and how I love, I, like with it, I was, and I still am, but it's a, a little bit different. So like, I, I, I like seeing people evolve. I like seeing people improve, um, you know, get their first pull up or, uh, handstand push up or whatever that comes in the open. And just like the, the level of excitement, like sometimes you get wrapped up as a competitor when you don't see that you get really like focused on your own achievement or like, you know, if you're kind of plateauing, you get kind of negative, and it takes like all it takes is going into a gym and seeing somebody like achieve something that reminds you like this is why I do it. This is why I started it. Um, like I love helping people do that stuff. And like for me, I don't coach a ton of people anymore, like uh, CrossFit classes, just a couple of week. Um, but I get to hear about it a lot because a lot of the clients that I have are, are more like intermediate, still developing, still adapting, still achieving stuff like that. So I get to hear about that stuff and it's really exciting. And that's probably what I like. That's what I love the most is it just like the impact that CrossFit has on people is enormous. If you, if you look at all the things that have gone down with CrossFit just in the last couple of years and you had to give advice to Greg to make changes, what's <laughs> one thing you would just one thing you would tell him that, Hey, go do this and it'll make an impact. Um, gosh, that's a heavy question. <laughs> um, hmm. I think probably continue, probably empower the affiliates, do, do more for the affiliates. Cause they're the ones that are out there, like, um, like fighting the battles. And Greg has recognized that at the, the 10 year summit, like, uh, I've just, I've heard about what went on there. And a lot of the message was like, you guys are doing the, the work and we need you to keep, keep at it. But like, I talked to a lot of affiliate owners who, um, you know, need help with business, need help with like, okay, now what do I do? How do I get clients? Like they need help just keeping their doors open. So like, you know, providing resources, providing training, providing guidance to affiliates to empower them to continue, um, you know, fighting the fight. Like that's, that's where the attention needs to be is at the affiliate level. All right. So last question, and this is probably the most important topic we're going to cover for the entire podcast. So you and Alex have kittens coming. When are the kittens arriving? Well, we have one. So we're going to get one kitten. Yeah, just one for now. Um, So we're getting her in uh, the middle of January. So um, she's from outside of Toronto. It's like two hours outside of Toronto. So we have to fly to get her. Um, I'm super extra. So like, of course, I'm getting a super extra cat. Uh, But I did a lot of research on 
breeds. Alex's parents have a, it's a Siberian forest cat is the breed. Um, and they have really awesome sort of like dog, dog-like personalities. And so when I started doing research, I realized all the good breeders are out in the East, in Canada at least. Um, so yeah, I reached out to a breeder that had litter, um, back in October. And so she's been sending me progress update pictures, which are so cute, but it makes me so sad that I don't have her yet. It's like the longest wait. Yeah, but, see, yeah. That's the way I felt when I was waiting on Bean to get here. And then he got here and now I'm like, damn it. Can I send him back? <laughs> like, I know. I'm like, what's your exchange policy? <laughs> yeah. No, you'll, you'll yeah. love it. I, you know, the only advice I give cat owners is make sure you don't love any of your furniture because cats don't care. They don't care about yeah. your feelings at all. No. Yeah. They, uh, we'll make sure to have some scratching posts, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that it matters. <laughs> I have a scratching post in every room and yeah. Bean still goes to the furniture. That's what he prefers. Yeah. I don't, I think he does it just to piss me off. He literally will turn and look at me and scratch a piece of furniture. Yeah. Like, You're like, why, do. why are you doing that? But yeah. at least uh, you don't have to walk a cat. You don't have to like in Calgary, if you have dogs, you have to like get them dressed to go outside in the wintertime, like coat booties. Like it gets, it gets that cold here. And I'm just like, I have absolutely no interest in doing that. Like cats can stay inside. They use the litter box. You clean the litter box once a day. It's like the perfect pet oh, for Calgary. Well, <laughs> it's perfect pet. Also, if you have any kind of life outside of the house, like, you know, mm-hmm. I've got a, a couple of competitions coming up that I have to go to and, um, you know, so I'll be gone for two days and you can leave them. <laughs> you know, it's great. Yeah. You know, like they, here's some water. Here's your food. Um, yeah, I'll be you back. Know, exactly. They'll be fine. They'll be waiting. They won't be mad. Like, Oh no, they'll, be, they'll be mad. They'll be mad. <laughs> I get, I get yeah. angry meows whenever I'm gone for longer than 24 hours, but that's fine. They get over it quick. Yeah. It's all good. Well, this was fun. I appreciate you being on, but I think very informative. I think uh, people are going to love hearing this. So we'll have to do this again soon. Maybe next time we'll get yeah. Alex on and definitely uh, the whole crew. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for listening tonight. We appreciate you being on again. Uh, the, um, Person with me tonight, Meredith Root. You need to go follow her. Very smart owner, Tactic Nutrition. You should follow that too and start taking her advice because she's way smarter than me. So everyone have a good evening. Take care.